Now it's recording. Okay. Okay, so welcome Penelope. <laughs> I have many, many questions for you. Um, one of the things that's always on my mind is I talk about we don't listen to the animal voices. If only we listened to the animal voices and added them to our sense of community, we'd get so much more information. And people keep asking me, what do I mean when I say voices? And I thought I'd love to have your take on that. <laughs> well, when you say voices, uh, people generally think of their human voices. So they, they don't think of animals having a voice. They think of animals making noises and sounds. But we know that animals have thoughts and feelings that they convey telepathically just the same as everybody else. Just like we convey telepathically behind our words is the thoughts and feelings. And we can convey even without words, but we're used to words. So uh, many humans who aren't oriented to the fact that animals are thinking and feeling, even though they don't have a human word coming out of their mouth, um, say voices and get, when you say voices, they get confused. I would rather say, um, let's get the animal's thoughts and feelings about it. Let's get their perspective. Let's get their viewpoint. Because then that doesn't confuse people with words, which right away when they say voices, they think words. Um, so I would define voices as you are referring to it, as the perspective of the animals, their thoughts and feelings, which we translate into words and we give them a human voice. In other words, a voice that we can, uh, other humans can understand. Now, animals have the same uh, ability to think and feel as we do, and they express it in their own languages also. They have complex languages that scientists are now uh, publicizing and researching a lot more that, oh my gosh, the bees are doing this complex dance and um, language. And oh, we can't even hear what the elephants are doing because it's beyond our range of hearing. And they're communicating aloud in these low tones that we can't hear. And what they're communicating is the same as what we do, our intentions and thoughts and feelings. That's what we as humans are communicating through our words. And we have to stop because the words are a um, abstract thing. So we have to stop and get, now what is this person really saying? What are they really thinking? What do they want to communicate if we are really listening to another person? Because words don't always convey exactly what people want. Now telepathy is very important in all communication, in human communication too. So I'm getting your feelings now. I'm getting your intention when I listen to you, even though you're not saying a word. So the same with the animals. And we are, you know, as animal communicators, we listen and we get the animals' thoughts and feelings. They don't have to do their bee dances or anything like that. They just simply, when we communicate to them, they answer us and we translate it into our human words. So they give intention. So uh, what I will do is I will sit and listen very carefully because when I translate, sometimes I can tr I translate real fast. It's a real easy thing. They say uh, something like, uh, chickens, uh, what do you want today? Oh, I want some corn. So they show me the picture of the corn, uh, you know, their treat. Oh, that's real easy to translate. But when it's a more complex thing about 
something the human hasn't understood about how they feel, then I, I carefully make sure that my words are as closely matching, even though it doesn't take me long to do that because I'm very experienced, but it takes me longer than, say, a message like, I want some corn, because they're transmitting feelings. So how do I translate that? Oh, I translate, okay, I'm feeling distraught that my home has been destroyed in the forest. And I would like humans to know that, um, that it would be really wonderful if they could get my viewpoint, if they could feel the forest is alive, and etc., etc. So I'm translating, and I do it as best as I can. It also helps that I'm um, a writer and a very poetic person, so I'm good with words to translate and get their feeling as much as possible and not layer it over with human agendas or feelings. So I'm not going like some people do, oh, the animals, oh, the earth, oh, they hate us, humans are so bad. Well, that's completely human overlay. And you get people doing that. They go, oh, the earth is so upset. The earth is so angry. Well, I've never gotten that from Mother Earth. And animals, too, are very patient about it. They go, humans have it really hard. There's tremendous compassion. They don't understand. Their minds get in the way, you know, with some animals I've talked to. Not every animal. They all talk differently. They're individuals. So they have different thoughts. Some are very, very profound, and others are very matter-of-fact. Depends what you ask them, just like with humans. Depends what you ask them. And also, there's uh, just... There's differences in individuals. So some may be very, very wise, and others may be more, let's say, flighty or superficial. Uh, some, not all animals are uh, at the same place. And uh, as we t have talked before, they're in different stages of life. Oftentimes the older animals and the older trees are the elders. They have gained more wisdom. And so they, um, they slow down. You know, they particularly like with the animals, they slow down and they see things differently than when they were more motivated, like with animals, by their hormones when they were younger to procreate, or humans, same thing, uh, you know, the, where they're speed, uh, sort of speeded up and they got to get things. And um, so what we mean by the, let me get back to this or I'll go on to another question I know you want to ask me. So, <laughs> But um, the voices, what we mean uh, um by voices is the animal's perspective. What if you ask them a question? So if I ask an animal, have you noticed? Because we're very focused now, often very focused on the amount of pollution that people are uh, and destruction of the environment that humans are doing. So I say, how is that affect? Say I ask an animal, how has that affected you? And so there might be a coyote down here in the wash uh, near my home, and he hasn't noticed anything. You know, so I ask him, and he says, well, it all seems good to me. I'm, you know, I have my, uh, uh, we have our babies in the spring, and we're, we're doing really fine, and there's lots of rabbits, and, and he may not have noticed. But if I now ask for the bigger voice, say the oversoul, or the, the chief coyote, the one who, through all coyotes, can see the entire picture wherever coyotes are. And even beyond that, because when you talk to an oversoul or the chief of a species, you get a bigger 
often get a bigger perspective. Although you may get a coyote out here who notices a lot more than, say, the first coyote I talked to. First coyote says, oh, everything's fine, very focused on their family and this. I didn't notice any pollution. Oh, yeah, I saw a beer can. You know, he might not say beer can, but he'll show me a picture, and I translate, that's a beer can. Um, so uh, generally when we're talking, when I would say if you want the voice or a message from animals, you talk to the oversoul. Or sometimes you talk to an individual and the oversoul comes through. So the wisdom of the whole species comes through one individual. You often get when an animal goes on, when they leave their bodies and they're in spirit, they then have the bigger perspective. They're like an oversoul where they, they often then see. Because, you know, when you're in a body, you're focused on your, your needs of that body. You're focused on your personal life. You have to be. And so when you get beyond that, as again, often animals do when they get older, or you just get some wise ones. They've been around for a long time. They've been a coyote for many lives, or they've been human, or they've been lots of different lives. So they have a lot of different perspectives on things. So getting the animal's voice means instead of just saying, I want to build this dam or this Mexican wall, sorry, <laughs> I want to build this wall to keep people out, uh, ask the animals about it. Well, what, 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 how does it affect you? What, what do you feel about a wall? And of course, you will likely get that that's going to stop their migration, you know, or it's going to affect how are they going to get to their family on the other side, or how are they going to mate, because when they mate, they cross this area, or they can't get to their water source or whatever, but I don't know that till I talk to the animals. I can assume because we know the habits of animals, but when we get the animal's voice, I would actually listen fresh, you know, like I've never heard anything or imagined anything before. Keep my human um, past experience out of it and just listen fresh. What do they say? Like I did with this recent video message on speaking with Mother Earth. I just listened fresh, even though I've talked to Mother Earth before. Well, she had... Um, particular message at this time that she wanted to get to people. And it was similar to other things I've gotten from her, her wisdom and her, you know, she doesn't blame anybody and she certainly doesn't blame her children who are ignorant, <laughs> you know. Uh, and again, that's where I get a little bit, um, have to point out that some people will have an agenda and they don't know or they st they are into their egos instead of really listening. They're not, listening. They're not truly listening to the other being. Yeah. So they're, they keep going back to their own thoughts where I put my thoughts aside. And if my thoughts come in, I let them stay in the corner while I listen to somebody else. And then when it's necessary for me to reply, if it's necessary... Then I bring my own thoughts in, but with the new perspective of I've just listened to another that has enlightened me. And now perhaps I have a different point of view, or they've reinforced what I already knew, or whatever. But listening, as you well know, and you have in all your articles, is a whole different thing. It's a quietness. It's a space of meditation, really, where you get out of the way. Your own thoughts, your own agenda, your own ego needs, everything, you move it aside and you go, now I'm going to understand this other being's perspective. And when you listen to animals, now we learn when we listen to everybody's perspective, every human being has a different perspective, fine. But when we listen to animals, we're getting the perspective of a different kind of a life because everybody experiences through their body and each body is programmed differently. So 
animals are giving us a whole different perspective. I mean, I'm always delighted. I always learn. It's like going to, you know, a whole encyclopedia of knowledge that's different than what we have when you listen to animals. So they, they will tell you from a whole different perspective, you know, and I've talked to your uh, animal friends at Earth Fire, and you know they give very different perspectives. Um, of course, they've been associated with humans, so they, in some ways, they can they can translate it for humans and say it in the way humans understand better. Because they look at humans, they go, "Oh yeah, humans wouldn't understand what going out with the wild." I'll I'll, I'll make a bridge for them. <laughs> and some of them are so you know they're not that connected. I remember something that Windwalker said. He said, well, I don't really think about what my wild relatives do because I've lived here, you know, my whole life. I, I, I know my human friends. I know the other animals here. I don't, he wasn't into it, you know, like people expected he'd be in conservation mode. Or you expected it, I think. It was, it was like, well, he's certainly going to, or Jean, he's certainly going to be, well, what can we do for the, because you're always talking about, it was you. What, uh, what, <laughs> what can we do? Cougar, by the what, way. What, yes, Cougar, Windwalker. Um, what can we do? What, uh, what about the, for the wild? And I remember him saying, again, I just was open to what he said. I, wasn't, I didn't go with my agenda, your agenda, or any of our thoughts, previous thoughts. And he said, well, I don't know. I, I don't think about my wild cousins that much. And then later in his life, he did think about them more. He actually did. I remember he changed near the very end when he was almost gone that last time I was there. And he was very near his uh, departure. Then he started to talk about his, he says, I have more time now, you know, and of course he's, he's in a meditative mode all the time near death. You know, there's no, the body, you hardly even feel the body much in, anymore pretty soon. Uh, you're you're going to be out of it, so you start to tune into the bigger picture. So then he started tuning in, but he wasn't that concerned, whereas other animals in captivity or, you know, in sanctuary and rescued animals, they may be more concerned. Oh, a bluebell. An example, I remember her message that she gave um, the last time you asked me uh, to talk to representatives, and she wanted to talk, and she was very adamant about her wild relatives and uh, what they need. And now, I mean, she was, she was tuned in now, not just, she wasn't talking about the past, and oh, she talked about that too, I remember. Uh, she wasn't just talking about history, you know, like, oh, well, my historical relatives were wild bison. She was talking about now. This is what the bison need. And uh, so she was very tuned in. So you see how different their voices are? How individual they are? And this is what we mean by voices. Again, to answer your question again and make it clear for people, the animals have a perspective on things. Ask them. I really feel that it's unethical not to ask the animals, the plants, the environment, what is good? Because what is good for them is good for us. It's good for all of us. And we have tended to focus on what makes a profit. Not necessarily we as individuals, but let's say, you know, the humans who, who make the decisions to do coal mining tailings into the river, uh, you know, and, and pollute the waters. They just go, yeah, dump it, no problem. Well, they're poisoning everybody. Okay, but they're not thinking about that. See, where the animals who are directly in contact with the environment, they're going to go to that water and they're going to go, oh my gosh, you know, this water. 
where humans are going to get it secondhand, and plus they don't notice because they've been so tuned out, they don't know that coming from their tap is a load of chemicals coming from agriculture, coal mining, whatever it is, up the river from them, or in the rain. And, the, you know, they ignore it. Humans have tuned out their senses, where animals, wild animals, and not, in, again, domesticated animals become more like us. The more they're in our homes and with us, they become more like us. So they don't think about those things. Many of them, not all of them, but, you know, many of them don't think about those things. They think just about, you know, their human family and and how, uh, you know, what their life is, which is natural. We always think of our immediate life first, not not everything in the whole world. We can't. So anyway, as you get different animals' voices, I, I, and I, on my message, I mean, the, the voice of dog, uh, domesticated dog, I mean, beautiful, and um, tiger, and, and the different animals I talk to, and the animals at Earthfire, so I can tell if they're talking from the universal or if they're talking from the particular because their information will be very different. Hmm. When they're talking, well, I can tell too because, you know, when you talk to an oversoul, you feel this huge expansiveness. It's similar to when an animal has left their body. You know, there's usually a huge expansiveness. As the spirit expands, they cover the whole sky, the whole earth. You know, they, they're just, so the oversoul is like that. So when you talk to an oversoul, you immediately get big, big. So Bluebell was not talking as the oversoul. She was talking as herself, as a wise being. And I could tell because she gave very particular details about her own life. She talked about the wild bison, but I could, I could feel, again, I get these things by impressions, intentions, pictures. I can see the energy flows. This is all telepathy, telepathic communication. Uh, get the energy flows. I can see where the where they're focused. So say Bluebell was in between. She was being her wise self. She was also tuned in with humans, you know, because she's very loving of humans. But she also wanted to get across to humans. A very good bridge. Now, if you talk to an oversoul, I remember talking to a bison once in a zoo. And I asked a question of the bison. And immediately I shifted to the oversoul. No, I mean, no longer could I even see the body in front of me. All I saw was this huge bison, huge, over the planet. And that being was talking to me. Plus, the nature of the communication is very big. It's more of a general thing rather than specific details on a life. So you don't really have to know which one it is. I do know, because I can tell, because I've had a lot of experience. Just accepting their voice, this is important because if it's oversoul, you're going to get the wisdom of the whole species. You're going to get their historical, their, their present wisdom and their historical through time wisdom and what they're doing here on the planet, what that particular species is doing. So that's big. Sometimes, again, the individual will communicate that too, and you're still communicating with the individual. But when I was in the zoo, I knew I wasn't communicating to that individual anymore. It was just the oversoul. So I took that because obviously that individual allowed the oversoul to come through, and the oversoul wanted to come through. So, you know, it depends on your intention too. If you want to know what Bluebell wants for dinner, <laughs> then you're talking to Bluebell as an individual. You're not going to talk to the oversoul. I mean, what's the point? But if you want these greater, bigger questions, like what do we humans need to learn from you as bison? You know, then getting the oversoul is good. Although Bluebell, she comes in, I say, I'll answer that. <laughs> 
Well, she's very tuned in. She's got a very good perspective. She's very much what you see Earthfire as, which is that bridge, you know, between the wild and the humans, uh, the domesticated humans. Um, are there any wild humans? Yeah, I guess there's a few left. <laughs> but mostly they're domesticated humans. Um, so she's like, she's a good bridge. She's a good ambassador, ambassadress <laughs> uh, to her, her, from her species because she knows how to, how to do it. But a lot of your animals learn that over time. You know, when they come, they're, they're traumatized, you're rescuing them. You know, a lot of them, you know, you've given me their stories or you write their stories. They're traumatized. They're very much into their specific thing, you know. Uh, they're hurt. And once they start getting through that hurt, then they can access their wisdom more. Sometimes they'll give you their wisdom anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised, but with some of them, they just jump right into it. Uh, but they still need to handle their emotional and, and physical wound, woundedness, like we all do. You know, so did I answer your question? <laughs> A little longer than I expected, but wonderfully, yes. I think one thing people always want to know is um, how can you tell that what you're getting is real and not your imagination? Okay, so I have a whole audio recording that I did. It's on my website, which is how do you know if telepathic communication is real? And that, I answered that question because that is the most common question that people ask. So um, I have gone into it extensively. Do you want me to go into no. it again here? No, people know they can go that. That's all I need yeah. to know. Yeah, and so you can easily get the MP3 recording, listen to it. I have gone into it very thoroughly on, on how you recognize when it's real and when it's your projection. This is something we go into in our courses, too, and make sure that people get, not all teachers do, but I certainly do, um, make sure that people get as they go along. And people can't get it without a certain amount of experience and maturity. They have to learn to differentiate their own thoughts and when their emotions come in, because then their own thoughts will come in like, I gotta make this point, I gotta be right. You know, and you, you learn when you're talking to clients, you need to listen to the human, you need to listen to the animal, you need to listen to everybody. Then when you answer, the right words, the right truth comes out that helps, is helpful. It doesn't have the agenda. Oh, this animal doesn't like this or that. You know, it's not for or against anybody. It's how do we have more harmony? How do we have more understanding? Mission of Earthfire. <laughs> and mine. <laughs> so on that tape, you cover the, the concept. It's not a concept at all. Do you cover the process of what listening actually is? Um, I, I believe I do. Okay. I believe I, I would in there. You know, I, I have covered this so much in all my materials because the foundation, and you know, if you want me to give a little bit of the basics now, the foundation of good telepathic communication, of good listening and really getting what the other being is saying is getting quiet in yourself. It doesn't mean you have to shut down and be blank because our human minds are going lickety-split, you know, but you have to know what your human mind is and be able to put it aside. Let it do its thing because it's always calculating, always uh, doing mm -hmm. its thing. But you put it, learn to put it aside and you then can receive, you have a clear field in, to receive another being, to receive something new. 
And it's just as true as human beings. As exactly. Animals, because we it's, are the same. It's exactly the same. And I tell people, the telepathic process is no different than any other good communication. The complication is where you said, as you pointed out, when we have to translate the communication before we ever had words, now we have words. Yeah. It's a process of translation that causes us the trouble. Yes. Yes. It causes people a lot of trouble. And I would say that um, animal communicators, when you really are listening, and I, I teach people how to let it come out through your human mouth by staying in that groundedness of openness and, and receptivity, and then allowing yourself to be a channel, and then the right words come out. And of course, you need practice at that too. You know, I've had a lot of practice. I'm very good at that. And I also know by the sensations in my body, and a lot of people learn this. They learn when they're really on and when they start to get their little tweakers in. You know, tweak, by tweakers, I mean mm -hmm. the little thoughts coming in. You know, they get tweaked. You get the feel. Yes. And I start, I can feel it too. Like, I want to make a point. I go, okay, fine. Thank you very much, <laughs> mind. To the side. You know, when you want to make a point. Or you want you have to say something instead of sitting and going, okay, I'm going to stay in touch with this person that I'm communicating with, and I'm going to communicate to them honestly what the animal has communicated. Or if we see an animal in what we think is discomfort, right? It may right. not be. Yes. It's adding our emotions, our history, right? Exactly. And we're not listening to them. Yeah, that happens a lot with particularly with beginners in telepath communication. Uh, I'll give you an example so people can understand that. Uh, we were we were uh, giving, doing a basic uh, course in animal in how to communicate with animals, and we were outside at this farm, and horses were all around us, and, which was very nice. We were in their field basically. Okay, so they were very peaceful, and they were communicating. They were uh, helping with the exercises. Okay, so this woman suddenly starts. You know, we had done an exercise, asked the animals a question. She suddenly starts crying. She says, oh, these horses, they're in such pain. And everybody looked at her. And I looked at her. I knew what this was. And I said to her, I don't remember my exact words, but I said to her, um, okay, this can happen a lot with beginners that when you start to get the real telepathic connection, it brings up in you all your unfinished stuff because it's so pure. It's so, you're getting right into your heart. You're getting right into your center that whatever is there that needs to be completed will come out. So this is what has happened to you, is you have some pain. You have some trauma there. Perhaps you've seen horses hurt or abused or you've been abused. And it's coming through because if you honestly... I didn't say, I, honestly, the wrong word. If you just sit here and be with these horses, you will see that they are very well taken care of. They like their home. And yes, some come from rescues, they're rescues, but they're not sitting in it right now. And they didn't give that to you when you asked, how are you doing? I mean, I think that's what the first question we said, you know, something simple in the present, not about their past, but how are you doing? And so that is a perfect illustration of what happens to people, and it can happen at any time. This is why a more experienced person in animal communication will have learned, will have to have learned, how to recognize when your own stuff comes up 
and gets in the way. And what it feels like. It and what it feels like. Yeah. See, because I can feel when I'm, when I'm in my core and I'm saying something from the core, it's coming straight through, it feels solid and whole and good. Sometimes it comes across very strongly. Sometimes it comes across very, you know, quietly. That's fine. That's just how, you know, uh, the delivery is. But when I then feel a tweak from my own stuff, I also feel how this, this creates a little jiggle in my field. It's not, it's no longer solid with me just straight to the core and from the core. It's now has something else. I've gone smaller. You know, you immediately feel like you're, you're kind of crunching down. And disrupted. It's disrupted, yes. And see, some people will feel it, like when they get a true animal communication, uh, I've had different uh, students describe their sensations. They get a tingling up their spine. That's real common when they get the right uh, connect, uh, thing, you know, from the animal. Or they get a feeling of, uh, some people get a rush, a flush of heat. And they go, no, I know I got it, you know, and that confirms for them. And uh, this is ways of recognizing how, how it happens for you. And then, um, then people have to learn. And also, see, the problem is some people, and I put this in the Code of Ethics for Animal Communicators, that you continually have to do your spiritual work. If you want to stay a good channel, if you want to do communicative work, there's no stopping in doing your spiritual work and uprooting and integrating your dark side. Otherwise, it will creep in. Though somebody will trigger it, one of your clients will say, oh, well, I killed a few cats uh, when I was a kid. You know, it will trigger something in you and you'll suddenly want to go after that client. Or you'll burst into tears because you're in your own stuff. You know, uh, so, you have to be vigilant and go, okay, right now I can feel I've just been triggered by the person saying that. You can acknowledge that very quickly to yourself and then listen to the person because the person is now, they're, they're, they're confessing a horrible thing. That's an incredible thing for them to do. You just listen to that. You can help them heal that by just listening and being present. And you say, oh, okay, is there anything else you want to tell me about that? And the person then says, yeah, I, you know, at the time I just thought it was the right thing to do. You know, they got, my parents got after me, so I got after whatever I could. You know, I thought it was the right thing to do, get those cats, you know. And, uh, of course, I realized later I felt t terrible. And, I, and later in my life when I was an adult, I realized I was just doing what my parents did to me. So they already realized that, but by admitting it to you, there's a little bit of healing mm -hmm. that has been... Uh, facilitate. Do you think you can heal retroactively? Yes. 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 I, I have experienced, I experienced that the whatever healing I do personally affects past, future, present and future. It goes all directions because time is a circle. I mean, it's not a, it's an illusion. So it's all here. <laughs> so I, I'm aware that yes, it can heal. And because it heals the past, it then heals the present and the future. You know, everything changes. Nice. All healing work that you do changes everything. I've always been aware of that. So I would tell people, I said, don't think you're just working on yourself individually. Makes it more Everything important. you do, everything you do affects every molecule in this universe mm -hmm. and brings a healing force to everything. And if you really know it, like I've always known it, 
I, I used to chart the percentages. When I did some big healing work and I had some big realization, I go, oh, the awareness of the planet just went up by 0.02%. <laughs> I mean, I would see that. I would actually see it as a graph. I'd see the planet <laughs> and I'd see it as a graph. Then I'd have a really big one. I'd work, you know, I was doing some really uh, d deliberate uh, deep counseling work and then I go oh my god it just jumped up you know and I'd see that and I go now if everybody realized that they are all contributing to the healing of every being then they would no longer um, they would have more regard for themselves they would have more regard for their work here and their relationship to the whole web of life and how they're helping that animal over there they don't even have to go and rescue him you know, I mean, if they can, it's their business, obviously, but you can't rescue every animal. I can't rescue the animals in Africa or whatever, you know, but that they can help in some way. Uh, then life becomes um, a, a rich healing force, mm. you know, a, a milieu to live in, an ocean to live in that's always healing. It's always healing. So when you're, you're feeling sorry for yourself or you're getting off track, you just go, okay, fine. That's my human nature. That's part of being here. You accept that. Put a lovingness into it and go, yeah, okay, that's what I'm feeling right now. Or I ate the wrong thing and it affected me. So, okay, that's the way it is. And then you go on. And you go on and you realize, well, that was a healing force because you didn't resist it. You didn't berate yourself. And then you go on and you do your conscious healing work where you're sitting and going, okay, I'm going to send healing because this person has asked or whatever. And you, you send some healing and, and whatever. Or you work on yourself and you realize, oh, I'm healing the body of the planet by healing this body. It's all the same. It's all the same stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> it's beautiful stuff. It's rich. It's important stuff, especially in times that are difficult. Yes. And now it's extra important to do that. And not to get lost in the negativity, yes. but to keep with the positive. Yeah. It's essential. And, and not get lost in the stories. You see the stories of other people about what's really what's happening? Yeah. See, you get too lost in those stories. I mean, like the societal things. Yeah. I'm very aware of them, but I'm aware when I'm starting to get lost in them. Yeah. And, and accepting them as reality when they are not.